Shackle like all the people them want. Woman them a flex and the man them a chant. Cause the six days started to have to come back. Draw for your bell, butter black, eel and frack. Boom, shackle like good boy. You tell them no, sir. Hello and welcome back to What The Fall Happening in this week's podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Um, it's now a podcast that records twice a week, but as it is, I only turn my mic on once a week. So yesterday's episode was canned, or possibly should have been put further ahead because uh, my voice was none of it. But nonetheless, we can't do that. This is my podcast after all, so we have to have my voice on it to at least add some context. Um, Jack has thankfully came back. Scott has thankfully came back. Ian hasn't, uh, which is a bit of a shame. Um, hopefully he'll be back in four weeks, two weeks, whenever we record, I forget. Uh, but Jack, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm good, I'm good. How are you boys? Is everyone all right? Yeah, it's 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 running technical problems, I think, this week. <laughs> so it's a bit like, I'm kind of good, but like people listening probably go, why, why is Graham so sad? Um, just It's just been a tough 48 hours. Scott, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm good, mate. I'm good, thanks. We're going to get there in the end. We've had technical difficulties where basically all of uh, the questions I asked Jack and Scott returned to me as, eh, ah, eh, ah, 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 which to be honest, is pretty much what it sounds like most of the time. But nonetheless, it was a little bit worse than <laughs> usual. Um, both of our teams played this week. We always like to start in a bit of Sunderland. Scott, I'll come to you first because you're a Motherwell fan, but you've been watching Sunderland. How good or bad do you think Sunderland are? Uh, of Obviously, I've been chatting to you guys about them and stuff like that, and you know, asking you who to who to look at for Max Power, you know, my my hero, as I've decided uh, for you guys had had told me. So that's my guy, um, legend, great player, absolutely superb player of the year. I've only seen him once, but player of the year in my opinion. Uh, but no, I watched the whole game and I thought there was a lot of kind of hustling and, and uh, just kind of went through it, and you know, none much up front. Got the goal, obviously, but other than that, there was a lot of huffing and puffing. But seen the highlights of the game on Saturday, and uh, it certainly looked a bit more. Obviously, I'm only watching at that point 10 minutes of a 90 minute game, so you guys will tell me whether I'm right or wrong. But for the highlights that I've seen, and the, obviously, it's only kind of showing the good parts of the play, but it looked a bit better, uh, and obviously, great results. So I seen I was checking at the table as well, so still up there, um, plenty of time left to go, and uh, I hopefully you can keep picking up results over the next few weeks and push up into the, the playoffs. Now, we consistently talk about how bad League One football is to watch, right? So you're not going to get shut down here if I ask you this question and you answer it honestly. How bad and boring is it to watch as a neutral? Uh, it's it's different for me because um, obviously you guys watch it regularly. I watch a lot of you know, English lower league football. I don't know, as I said, the last time I was on, I, I come and watch Gateshead and uh, I've been looking at for Exeter in League Two as well since Ryan Bowman went down there and we were at Carlisle Exeter last year and the, the the type of football was completely different from what I'm used to so I actually quite enjoy it. Um, I think at times it's a bit slower than Scottish football, it's a bit more skillful probably even in the kind of lower leagues. Some players, not everybody, um, obviously in you know, the, the higher end of the Scottish Premier League but uh, no, I, I don't think it's terrible and I, I would rather watch lower leagues than English Premier League, if there's a choice, I would rather watch that and I've watched loads of Premier League, so that kind of tells you, you know, what I think about it. I criticise League One and that, but I'll be honest, I get so bored watching the Premier League. Like, I don't know if it's just the way things are at the minute, because football's kind of not the same because we're not there, but I get kind of bored watching the Premier League. I watch it from a Fantasy League team and that's the first time I've really properly watched Fantasy League and 
I watched because of Fantasy League and took part in Fantasy League and it's kind of given me something a bit extra, but then you tend to just get annoyed at them because you put certain players in and they just mess you up anyway. But Saka didn't. Saka scored against the Mags tonight, put Saka in my team. Recent transfer, paying his back by not only scoring against the Mags, but getting points for my fantasy team. Um, Jack, obviously you watched the whole game and whatever games we'd played since we last spoke, but we'll talk about the, the Wimbledon game. What did you what did you make of it? Uh, yeah, played well in spells, um, bits and bobs. But we lacked a little bit of control in the midfield at times. I thought we got quite sloppy. Lots of balls went astray, you know, and I think it wasn't a complete 90-minute performance. I think if you said 3-0, probably flattered us a little bit. Um, but I think on a more positive note, I thought we looked steady at the back. I'm always more content when Wright and Willis play. Um, I think they look like a good partnership together. They never really, Wimbledon never really tested us. I don't think we, did they even have a shot on target or a genuine chance in the full game. I can't think of one if they did. Um, no. I think, I think obviously Charlie White getting three goals. I think he looks slimmer. He's looked sharper. He's looked fitter. His goal scoring record's pretty good. I think 12, 13, 13 goals, something like that this season. Something like that, yeah, in all, yeah, I all think, competitions, I think. I suggested at the start of the season you get 15, and I got round and be laughed at. I was new with Charlie White would get 15 goals, but, you know, he's could <laughs> get 20. You know, nothing stopping him getting 20, which is would far exceed expectations. Um, and I just think, really, now we've got an opportunity, Graham. I think we've got an opportunity to go on a run. You look at the fixtures we've got. I think we've got, you know, some winnable matches. We need to put a run together. Um, our season's been a little bit stop-start so far. I think that's down to a combination of the change in manager, the disruption from the games we've lost and a lot of draws. We've never really built up a head of steam yet. And I think we've got a chance now. I think we've been a little bit better. The confidence should be up. Um, nothing stopping us putting three, four, five, maybe more wins together. Or if we went on a spell of, like, say, seven wins in 10, <clears throat> something like that, that will push us right up into the, the automatic mix. And I think par for the squad would probably be playoffs this season. But... Um, it's a tight league, and you know I don't. I think it's, it's up for grabs. I really do think that. I, I don't think there's any team running away with it. I think we've got a great chance as long as we can keep going. You say it's a tight league. I would say it's something that rhymes with tight league. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, I know well. what you mean. Like, and it's you know what. By the time people are listening to this, I think we're going to put this out Tuesday morning. Obviously, we've got the game tomorrow night against Plymouth because games are coming thick and fast. Like the league is kind of that bad, but also that tight. Like if we get beat off Plymouth tomorrow night, all of a sudden it's like pure doom and gloom and we're out of it and nothing's going to happen. If we win tomorrow night, you're suddenly going, oh, can we get in the automatics? Like the league is really that poor. And I can't remember what one we went on with Parkinson last year. I'm sure it was eight wins and nine with about eight clean sheets. So if we can put a run together under Parkinson and we were beating the likes of, you know, the teams that got promoted in the end, Wickham and stuff like that, teams that were not like rank bottom of the league. And I know he messed it up just before COVID hit. Um to an, well, I was going to say to an extent you really did. And obviously we haven't been in that great a form this season. We haven't really hit a run of form this season, really. Um, if we hit a good run of form, win seven and nine, or like you say, you know, eight and ten, something like that, we're going to be right up there. And you've just got to hope that they can take it on. And I think the one thing we've been saying is desperate for a centre forward. And, you know, roundly, I think people still criticise Charlie White Guy have done before this season. I think he's looked as you say, trim, look sharp. Um, and I think, you know, the way he put his goals away on Saturday, you've got to say it was based on goal scoring alone, he's probably his best performance he's had for us. And he's definitely the best option. I mean, bloody hell, Danny Graham, Craigie. Well, that's it. That's it. I think he is somewhat of a bit of a, a joke. You know, Charlie, I, you know, scored a hat trick and people were laughing at him on Twitter. But 
you can't argue with his goals this season, firstly, you know what I mean? You, you want him, he's getting, you know, better than a goal every other game, do you know what I mean? And that, that's a decent record at any league in any level if you average in a goal every two games. I always think that's decent. Um, and you compare the alternatives, Will Grigg, been poor since he came here, mm-hmm. um, injured as well. And you've got Danny Graham, who's absolutely horrendous decision to sign him back. Lumbering, lump lim- lim- up front, do you know what I mean? Can't run, can't score, can't do anything other than just like stand there and look gormless, basically up front. Uh, and you've got Aidan O'Brien's a possible option, but I'm not seeing a great deal from him. So Charlie White stand out. I think the only issue is if he does get a knock or anything, Graham, if he gets some kind of injury. Um, we're knackered to a certain extent, so I would like another option, maybe someone a little bit quicker pacey and behind athletic, uh, maybe to see if it can stretch defences a little bit, just to, as, a, as a second option, because I think if we if we got a bad injury, I think we'll be knackered, like I, I can't see anyone getting regular goals for us at the minute. I think we will be, I think there's a lot of people I think we're, we're knackered with him, um, we're definitely knackered without him, I think universally, the fan base pretty much agrees he's probably the best option, I think there's a few people said they would like to see Aidan O'Brien up front after his performance against Port Vale, which I think Port Vale, that kind of says what my opinion is on on that. And I've not been impressed with Aidan O'Brien at all. I thought he was all right on Saturday. Um, I think maybe under Lee Johnson, he's going to be maybe played more to his strengths. It looked like he could hold the ball up. I think I was expecting him to be like a an Aidan McGeady sort of player, like someone that, because I never really watched him. I thought he was like someone who's going to have a, a little bit of, tricks in his under uh, up his sleeve someone with a bit of pace and someone who could score goals from like an advanced midfield position but he looks a bit more like um, someone who can bring others into play and play more like a, a target man the, the best games he's played have probably been in that Charlie White role uh, and he looked like he was playing like on the left but kind of quite close to Charlie White on, on Saturday do you think that maybe Aidan O'Brien could be a, a decent weapon in the second half of the season? Um I think he, I think he will get better. I think you've touched on it. He's more players like him are more likely to be better under someone like Lee Johnson, who's more get the ball down and running and, and plenty of fluidity rather than someone like a Phil Parkinson, whose style of play was just lumping and hope for the best type of thing. So I think he could get better. I think he's the type of player that with confidence and a good run in the team. You know, if he gets you know quite a few regular games under his belt, he might be okay. I always saw him as more of a kind of, like you, you said, coming in from the left or an attacking midfield role rather than an actual striker. Um, so I wouldn't be against him, but I'd, I'd still, I'd maybe being a little bit greedy here, but I wouldn't mind someone coming in the next couple of weeks, either someone as a free agent or a loan for five months or four months or however long. Um, I wouldn't mind that as well. I would quite like that and have O'Brien as a backup option and then just hopefully drive Danny Graham to wherever he wants to go <laughs> get rid I think we looked at like last season and um, a lot of people thought we, we kind of cracked it a bit under Parkinson and then we hit the buffers. I think it was Gillingham, Bristol Rovers. We dropped points here and there. Fleetwood at home, we rescued that in like 97th minute. But um, a big criticism, I think, during that run was he's not changing the team. There's no plan B. What happens when that happens? And people are going, oh, sure, man, we're winning. But eventually it, it did come to fruition, kind of like it did with the Parkinson situation at the start of the season when people were going, oh, no, we're not playing great, but we're winning, sure, man. I was one of them. Um, and, and both times were proven to be right. So I think even though it looks like Charlie White is scoring goals and stuff like that, I suppose that's where your recruitment team comes in and, and sort of preempt any potential problems. Because last year we brought in um, Kyle Lafferty, the man that I love. Um, but at the same time, he was pretty much exactly the same sort of option as Charlie White, and Charlie White seemed like he was the 
the number one option for Parkinson. And it was almost like he played Lafferty towards the end because the fans were just like, would you just change Summit? And he was like, I'll just do it. But it didn't actually change anything. So I think if we are going to bring someone in, like you say, it's got to be like a different option, hasn't it? Someone who's maybe young and hungry and has something to prove on loan or someone who um, is maybe not on the scrap heap, but could maybe come in on, on a, a lesser fee or maybe someone who's available on a free transfer who thinks, you know, I, I might not be starting every week here, but I, I could, I'm at a big team here. I could really like reignite my career. Like, I don't know who that would be. Um, if I'm honest with you, I've got no clue, but just someone that could give us maybe a different option, has something to prove. Say there's a six month contract or a six month loan deal, prove yourself and um, get, get something promoted and, and play your part in something's promotion. So I know I agree with you on that. Um, I'll give you one. I'll give you a name. Uh, first striker, Louis Moult at Preston. Great striker. Um, when was it? Injured, well. had had quite a bad injury. Is now back, um, back training. So obviously he's not really going to be match fit. But I'm pretty convinced that having seen him when he was at Motherwell and then when he moved into Preston, he was scoring goals. I'm pretty sure that if you get Louis Moult up there and get him fit, even semi fit, fifty percent fit he'll get you goals because he's just one of these players who just, he just knows how to score goals. It doesn't matter how fit he is. He can play 90 minutes and do nothing for 87 minutes and score two goals and win the game. Uh, so I know he's, he's available for loan and I heard that he's been offered to a few teams in Scotland. So that could be, obviously, I don't know what they, where they're going, but for what you guys are saying, that sounds like the kind of signing that could definitely um, improve the team a bit. And Louis Moult as well, obviously, was at um, was at Stokes Academy, wasn't he? Kind of like stumbled to Motherwell, like a lot of young players do, kind of stumble and end up in in Scotland. And I think he went for decent money, like for Motherwell levels. Was it like one point two or something like that? It was. It was not bad. He went. He went in the January, uh, just before his contract expired. So I think it was a wee bit less than one, maybe about seven fifty, six hundred, seven hundred. But right. with six months left in your contract to leave tomorrow, then. It's not bad, and he scored goals that kept us in the league. He scored goals that got us to two cup finals. So the the, the boy knows where the where the goals are. We'll probably end up with bloody David Nugent if we're going to Preston for anyone. Not to be fair, won't we? No one else. Um, we'll probably on. end up with Adrian Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most likely, anyone than other than Danny Graham. So it seems so, eh? Um <laughs> Staying on Scottish football, um, we had a right good run about it last night. And I'm devastated that we can't use it, but. Uh, kind of at the same time, sort of please be waited because there's been a further development in, in Dubai Gate. Um, and I want to put out a disclaimer with this because I think people probably will expect me as someone who's a range of persuasion to stick the boot in. Um, I just want to point out that I'm as angry at Celtic as I am as the players from the, the Women's Super League at Arsenal and clubs I have no affiliation to really. That when I'm saying Arsenal, that's wrong. Oh, no, it wasn't. Yes, it wasn't Arsenal playing, and Man City as well, in specific. Mm. Um, who went away to Dubai and they like, kind of did the same sort of thing and came back so, and all that kind of stuff that went with it. I'm, I'm not angry because it's Celtic. I'm not looking to stick the boot in. I think the whole thing's rank, um, for want of a better word. But I'll come to you first, Jack, because obviously you're the opposite end. You're of Celtic persuasion. Um, what do you make of not just the situation with um, Celtic going to Dubai, um, but also on top of that, Lennon's reaction today. One catastrophe from another to another from Celtic. I think, um, firstly, on the issue of going out, was a horrendous decision. At some point, surely somebody must have realised that that was the wrong decision to make. 
um, had the oversight that they were going to get criticism from it. You know, but there's, there's photographs, there's camera phones and social media is a big part of today, today's life. And it was evident that there was going to get be a photo of something somewhere gets out and it was going to be highly publicised. And I think I mentioned it last night and I'll go over it again. That type of thing, even when you're doing really well, I'm not, I'm not really too much in favour of when you're struggling like Celtic are and you're going through a bad season, let's be honest, to go off and do that's bad enough anyway without adding the fact that they're putting the people's safety at risk as well on the public, um, not just the public, the players and everyone involved and, and everything. And I think Lennon's reaction, I get why he's done it. He's kind of wanting to create a kind of siege mentality and get Celtic thinking, all oh, the whole world's against us and the whole of Scotland's against us and the media and everything. But I think it really showed he was under pressure. And I think it really... You saw a man that was struggling to contain his emotions. Um, and I think there's someone who's had one or two mental mental health, not breakdowns, but he's, how shall I put it, temperamental with his mental health, shall we say. I think it showed how much he really is feeling it. And I don't think it was the right thing to do. I think a simple apology would have just been, yeah, we've got it wrong. Um, you know, we have to play our collective part, we've got it wrong. Nice and calm probably would have been better than what he did today. So I think it's just, it just compounds what's been a miserable, miserable season. So I think I'm, Still, what 16 18 games to go on it, so yeah, not great. I mean, it's we discussed it at length obviously last night, which people won't hear, but like I think we just echo what I think a lot of people are feeling. I think I watched the Hibernian game, um, and I watched kind of the build up to it, and they had um Stubbsy, uh, Andy Walker, and I think it was Chris Boyd sitting there like smiling like a Cheshire cat whenever something goes wrong for Celtic, which is. I'll be honest, it's worth his weight in gold, no matter where your, your kind of allegiances lie, because it's just funny. But Andy Walker, who's obviously very Celtic-orientated, just hit the nail on the head, you know, I think. And I'd like to think I've got a good opinion of this based on how long I've lived in Glasgow and the amount of friends that I have that are Rangers fans and Celtic fans and having an understanding of, I think, um, what the clubs mean to, to the fan base. And I think Celtic are... Very much a community-based club. They always have been since I've sort of been up. I think people in the community... I mean, Celtic have kind of built on that, weren't they? They were built on community. Let's be honest. Like That's what they've always been about. And obviously, you can't speak for everyone, but they very much seem to look out for one another. It's always about being together, being, you know, a team within a team, in a sense. Uh, you know, community is huge with it. And I think you'll never go past like a, a Celtic orientated bar and not see them all together and everyone chatting to each other. And it's because I think that's kind of what their personalities, their club and their community are all built on. And it just kind of seems like Celtic as a football club has took a massive shite on the head of all of that and just gone, don't care what you think, couldn't give a shit, we're above uh, what's going on. And and they're not, they're really not. And the same with the players that went to, to buy... Um, from the WSL, I thought that was rank. I thought that was absolutely awful. Like, I, I think influencers going to Dubai at the minute is ridiculous. Like, get a grip for a minute on what's going on in the world. Like, none of us like it. I wish I could go to Dubai. I wish I could go to Paris. I wish I could go to, wish I could take my holiday to Japan that I've been dying for, uh, but I can't. Um, I probably could just jump on a plane and do it and just you know, hopefully get through like customs. I won't like, but like say that there was a slight rule where I could, I probably could, but do I think it's the right thing to do? No, absolutely not. Because I think it's obviously got a bit worse. Um, this new variant kicking off and all that kind of stuff's kind of caused shed loads of issues. Um, and it's probably knocked us back a lot further than we thought we were going to be with the situation in life in general. So I know it was okay, and Lennon came out today and said, oh, I did nothing wrong, did nothing wrong. 
yeah, maybe by the letter of the law, you did nothing wrong, but people are not annoyed that you went away because you broke the law. That's that's not what it's about. It's about the fact that people haven't seen family, haven't seen friends, can't hug me. I mean, Jack, we've been doing this podcast for like a few weeks. Scott, I've known you for a few months now. I've never met you officially, apart from through a screen. And I don't know when I'm going to. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, it, And that's what people, and that's a minor, minor thing, but people can't go to funerals. And it's, it, it gets the people the situation as it is. And I think when you see people just swanning off somewhere and not caring, and then doubling down on it just makes it 10 times worse. Like doubling down on it is, it's just awful. Like, and it's not just because it's Celtic. If it was Rangers, I think, you know, Jordan Jones and um, Edmondson, like what the hell were they doing? Like the play, Kyle Walker breaking lockdown rules. Like so many players have broken lockdown rules. You're so privileged to be able to actually be outside of your house at the minute. Um, like that, that is a privilege at the minute. That's the situation we're in. This, this virus has been so bloody awful that people, it's a privilege when they get to go to the pub, like, and these people are going to Dubai. I just, for me, the whole entire situation stinks. And I was kind of prepared to be like, right, okay, they've made the apology. Fair enough. It's rotten. I'll not forget about it, but we'll move on. And then Lennon coming out today, I was just like, there should have been a point where someone pulled him off stage at that point and being like, look, Lenny, stop. Just reel in what you're saying because you're going to piss people off. And rightly so. Um, and it, it did look like a man that had been under so much pressure from his, his job itself and the results he's had. And he's took it out on something else. But he, there's two two arguments. What he said is horseshit, the whole lot of it. Um, but should he have been allowed to say that amount of horseshit with the pressure he's under and the amount of scrutiny that's around the entire club? Probably not. Um, I just think Celtic in general at the minute are just showcasing everything that they're not about which some Celtic fans may say, you know, you're you a Rangers and a Sunday fan. So, like, you know, what do you know about my football club? I think it's pretty I think it's pretty obvious what Celtic are about. And I think they've gone completely against everything that they're about. And it's just, I feel kind of sorry for the fans. If Sunderland did that, I'd be frustrated. Like, when Sunderland were, like, not, when they were messing on with season tickets and not getting things right, that, that annoyed us because Sunderland are a community club as well. And, I'm sure it would annoy you with, with Motherwell as, as well, but I'm, I'm on my soapbox a bit here. We all know it's abhorrent and, and crap. Um, but, but Scott, you've, your club's been directly affected by it because what they've been doing with the situation in general um, means that it's kind of opened up a perfect opportunity for the other clubs, uh, Kilmarnock and who's the other game again? Kilmarnock and... St. Mirren. St. Mirren, of course, to make it... Uh, you know, an appeal against that happening. Uh, what what do you make the situation and, and how has it affected like Motherwell as a club for you? To be fair, um, I, I think it's the right decision. I don't think at any point we should have been given the points. Right? So I, I don't have an issue with us having to um, replay those matches. But what can I, the, the appeal was on Thursday, which was kind of three, four days after that had happened. Uh, both St Mirren and Kilmarnock admitted to breaches of the the regulations. Okay, so and then obviously they've still been punished with uh, the fine, which has been reduced. But the thing there is by Celtic going away um, over to Dubai and then coming back and then a player getting COVID and then the Hibs game having to go ahead. It gave you know I teach law for a living, so I'm reading that and thinking to myself, if as long as they've got a good 
lawyer representing them, then there's no way they're going to lose this uh, this appeal. Saul Goodman, and, isn't it? He's like Saul Goodman, just rubbing his <laughs> hands, like just sitting there being like, "Oh, they're going to call Saul, or better call Saul." Oh, I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make so much money for doing so little work. Look, I Dubai, on you go, crack on, come back, bring COVID, do what you want. And uh, obviously, the issue for me is that now all of that's happened, we are going to have to play those games, which, as I say, I've I've not got an issue with playing the games. I'd rather win games on the park and the position we're in, but it affects us really in two ways. When they gave us the points and and then took them off us, when they gave us the points, we were about sixth or seventh in the league going into a January transfer window, at that point, you're planning to buy players for a top six push. They then take those points away. We're now, we were bottom of the league until uh, we, we drew, and we're now 11th, so we're second bottom on goal difference. So now the manager's having to plan for a relegation battle. So that's not anything to do with Mauro, that's not anything to do with Comarnock or St Mirren, but the way that Celtic, in my opinion, treated the, the league with contempt by going, has definitely had that knock-on effect all the way through the league. And as I say, you know, in, in my role, in my kind of job in the, the industry that I work in, obviously I spent kind of 10 years training to, to look at things for both sides. And there is a part of me which said, you know, right, I fair enough. They didn't do anything wrong, illegal, so that's fair. And even when I heard Lennon today, I thought, I felt a bit sorry for him because I thought he looks like a man under pressure. Mm. Then I watched the full interview and I seen him slaughtering the Scotland national team for uh, doing a conga a yes sir I can boogie and I was like ah that's it I'm finished with you son <laughs> jog on that's yeah. it you don't you don't come on here and slag us for that no chance that was a bizarre comment though wasn't it like really? like the thing is at that point like the restrictions were completely different like there wasn't any big variant at the time and at the end of the day they were going there to play a game of football not for a holiday camp like no obviously Weird, really weird for me to bring that up. I just feel like the entire situation's crap. Um, and I don't know where you can begin to pick that apart because I think with, with the situation with COVID, there's a lot of things that people aren't going to forget because it's affected us all so much. It's going to stick with you. But there's things like players breaking COVID rules, that kind of that kind of sticks with me a bit. I'm kind of a bit like, I don't think you give a shit, do you really, mate? You're not that bothered, are you? And Celtic as a club just look like they're just... I mean, Scott Scott Brown sort of doubled down on it as well. Like, in the interview, like, oh, well, yeah, you know, whatever. And he's like, oh, I had a couple of drinks on a night off. Y- yeah, but like, how tone-deaf can you be? People can't do that. It's the whole... It's just the whole... When Lennon said today, you know, we're not privileged. We're not in a privileged position. Well, you absolutely are because you're getting, what, three, four COVID tests a week. You're still going to your work every day. You're getting paid, you know, certainly maybe not so much for like Motherwell or, or teams like that and in the lower end of the league, but the, the Celtic players, they're getting paid a good amount of money. They're still going to their work, right? They're maybe not performing very well at their work, but that's by the by. And, uh, you know, it is privileged because I've not, been in, I've not been in the college that I work in since last March. I think I've been in twice. You know, I'm still working. I don't get to go see my colleagues or anything like that, my friends that work there. And for him to say, oh, we're not privileged, I felt like in, when he kind of said that, he was saying that, you know, they were sort of being treated badly by the fact that they were still getting to go to work and getting to play games and getting to train and getting tested three times a week and getting to go to Dubai. And, well, if you want to swap, then I'll, I'll crack on. You can take my wage for a year and I'll take yours for a week and we'll see, we'll see who earns more. 
what you kind of also what he also forgets as well is like and people laugh about it and stuff like that you know there's always those people that are like oh i want to like go to the gym get the gyms open but like because they're professional footballers they get keep their fitness up as well which helps mental health uh, it does in my opinion like going for a run is like my one thing that i can do um I, i'm able to go and, and do um do that but i wish i could get in a gym and just clear my head for a couple of hours um because there's a lot of stuff in there without covid and i think a lot of people feel exactly the same um but i mean let, let's see if i can find his full quotes here because like i, I kind of want to read them out now so we're not misquoting them in any way and i'm sure we're not um but he said, we've come back and been absolutely decimated by these rules, right? I'm not convinced they're a public health issue. It seems political, in my opinion. There seems to be some sort of agenda being driven here. I'm not getting into a fight with the government, but I'll just leave it out there. We've been held to a far higher standard than any other club. Protocols of different clubs are inconsistent. As soon as Celica didn't do something wrong, bang, you're all wanting blood. It's absolutely scandalous. The fallout from this has been... Uh, it's been way too much. Aston Villa have shut down. Wraith Rovers, they haven't travelled anywhere. We could easily have stayed here and had an outbreak, but because our protocols are so good, we've been able to quell that. And then he goes on to um, say that his apology is to the fans because 13 players and three staff have had isolated for 10 days, which is ludicrous. Um, and he talks about it being hypocrisy and he's not apologising for anything else. Um Question here, take take everything out of the equation with these results. At that point, do you not kind of just go, as a fan, as a Celtic fan, Jack, I'll sort of speak to you here with this, do you not kind of want them to be sacked on that alone? Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say sack them on the basis of comments. I get what you're saying. But I don't, because I think... I'm a Rangers fan, and I love them being <laughs> in charge of Celtic, for the record. So I'm not advocating a man losing his job here. I'm advocating him keeping it. I do want them gone, Graham, to be fair, but... I do want them gone to be fair, Grim, but more so the fact that the performances in the league and the welfare matches are being so poor. Um, I, I just think it's, it's, there's certain ways you can go about things when you're under pressure. You can either just kind of get your head down and just you know, shut up and get on with things, or you can come out fighting. And sometimes coming out fighting is the worst thing to do, you know what I mean? Because you, you get it so wrong as he's got it. Um, and I think, you know, you just sometimes just shut up. All it needed was an apology. Look, yeah, come out and say, yeah. You know, try and move on, try and change the topic rather than all he's done is just pour fuel on the fire and he's just made it probably three times of a bigger bit a bigger issue than it was. Do you know what I mean? And I think it was just crazy. I wouldn't say I want him sacked for that. Uh, but I get what you're saying. And I think, you know, he certainly hasn't helped his course. And it just shows like Scott said, he's under pressure and there's, there's someone that's, you know, not had a great record of mental health um in the past few years. I think it's it's a sign that it's maybe getting to him a little bit too much and I worry about him a little bit. I worry about him personally, not just as a Celtic um, perspective, I worry about him. It's funny because I, I actually am one of those people that is actually, I wouldn't say I like him, but I kind of respect him because the amount of shit he's had thrown at him throughout his life. Occasionally he has to carry a lot on his shoulders, which is not fair, if I'm honest. It's not fair that he has to deal with that just because of whatever reasons in his, his personal life. I mean, the man's been sent bullets. It's, it's abhorrent, really. But um, I feel like today he's made like a bit of a rod for his own back for people to criticise the club and criticise him. Just before we leave that completely, do you think there needs to be a bit of pushback on the SFA for allowing that to go ahead, Scott? That's, uh, that's probably at the bottom of the list that the SFA needs 
dragged over the coals for you know it's, it's one thing after another but I mean there, there's there's loads of things just the whole COVID protocols that they've introduced um, which obviously don't exist because they handed out that which as we said was a massive punishment to Kelly and St Mirren then they reduced it to I think it was £10,000 each fine certainly it was there uh, for Kelly anyway and then there was the whole Celtic, yeah, you can go. No, you can't go. Yeah, you can. Then there was asking the, the lower leagues, uh, do you want to be suspended? So they've suspended the champ below the championship. Then they're giving loans and grants to the championship and asking if they want it to be suspended. And, you know, I think somebody should have stepped in, whether it was uh, the the SFA or is it the, the, G, the GRG, the Joint Response Group, I think it is, between the SFA and the Scottish Government, Somebody should probably have stepped in and just said, look, lads, let's read the room a wee bit here. You know, one of my closest mates, Celtic fan, he buys three season tickets, one for him, one for his uncle and one for his other half. And he's talking 1,800 quid for three season tickets. He's been watching the games on a dodgy Celtic TV stream. Like, I should say, like the rest of the Scottish streams have not been great. It's not, that's not a dig at Celtic for their stream. Ours has been, been rotten as well. But, you know, take a look about you. You've got guys who working class people who are spending thousands of pounds on season tickets and merchandise for their kids, for their family. You know, they work hard, they save hard to be able to do that. Just take a look and think, how are they going to feel when they've not been in the stadium and you're you're jogging off to Dubai for a week, training or no training? You know, I just think they should have read the room better. Whether that's Celtic, the SFA or the government, somebody should have. Yeah, I, I think it's... It's one of those things where we could speak about it for ages. I think I think ultimately it's been an incorrect decision. It's been doubled down on, doubled down on again. And before I leave it, has anyone seen the 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 Limmy sketch that fits that perfectly? And it says like it's <laughs> yeah. Celtic's PR manager and it's just Limmy going, double down, double down mm-hmm. on it. Don't don't give in, giving in, admitting, apologizing, explaining yourself to sign of weakness. And I was just like, my God. Someone said today, and this has been really harsh on, on Celtic. Um, but it might ruffle some feathers, which will be a laugh. Um, someone said Neil Lennon's uh, press conference today was like a Donald Trump press conference. <laughs> like, like, no, 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 no. You're wrong. You're the wrong one. It's the media's fault. It's you. And I found it hard to disagree with that. Um, is is Neil Lennon Donald Trump? Has he got into Scotland, Donald Trump, in a Neil Lennon suit? His mum's Scottish, isn't it? Isn't she? Donald Trump's mum, yeah, Scottish. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not coming though. There was talks of him coming over, but it's not coming. My my favorite, one of my last, one of the last Donald Trump tweets was the one about the inauguration. I'm not going. <laughs> it's we just one of those what, perfect. We tweets. need to know what we need to know what coffee coffee means. Remember that one? What was it? Due to the negative the negative press. I think he wanted to put coverage, but he put coffee thing, you know, and he put like predictive text on. <laughs> but he like left it on, so it was getting retweeted like thousands and thousands of times. That's due to the negative idea. press coffee thing. We'll, we'll leave COVID a bit and we'll leave the situation a, a little bit. Um, God, I wish we could. But before we do leave it completely, there's been a big debate around um, players hugging when they've scored. You can probably understand my opinion based on the way I'm maybe asking the question here, but um, in the eyes of fairness and in the eyes of balance, Scott, should players be allowed to hug when they score goals? Do you think that the criticism is correct or is it a load of crap? 
Uh, no, I don't see any issues with players, whether it's cuddling or celebrating or whatever. Yeah, I read something yesterday which uh, which I did mean to kind of mention when we were on last night, and it did make me think a wee bit, and it was somebody saying, again, kind of, without going back to the whole football as a privilege, because I really don't want to play on that, but people were saying, you know, it's frustrating when you see that, as you said earlier, Graham, people can't go to a funeral, people can't go and hug their granny, they can't see their, their parents, their friends, or whatever the case might be, and then they can turn on the telly and they can see two footballers, you know, bear-hugging each other because they've scored a goal. And, you know, he what he was saying was that footballers, I don't know if this is just one of these kind of perma-offended types who was just looking for something to be offended by, but he was saying that he was offended by the fact that he can't hug his granny, but footballers can hug each other. And so they should act as role models and they should be living by the rules that everybody else is, which was a bit of a wild take, to be honest, I thought. But then at the same time, if you're trying to justify it, there's a sort of justification there. But in my opinion, nah. I mean, if Marvel players are cuddling each other, it's because they've scored a goal. So I'm I'm fine for cuddles if that's uh, if that's the way forward. That's all right. I don't mind. I kind of I kind of understand the viewpoint in a way because it's going back to you know what we said previously. Like people can't go on holiday to Dubai, and people are just going and and messing things up and doing what Celtic have done. And I'm annoyed by that. And then on the flip side, I'm like. Well, it's a hug on the pitch and in a bubble and, you know, they play against each other. So I suppose I do see the point that he's making, but the only thing I could think of when the, the debate was coming along, I was like, well, have you watched them at corners? So if a couple of them is hugging and like kind of high-fiving, if we're allowing football to go ahead, I don't understand why hugging is any different to defending them at corner. So... Either you stop them from playing because you have that viewpoint, which is a very fair viewpoint, and I'd find it difficult to argue if someone said, well, football should be cancelled because I haven't been able to attend a funeral, I haven't been able to do this, and footballers can play football. Why is that? They already get a higher wage and whatnot than me anyway. And I don't like using football as wage and anything, but I get the viewpoint of it. I do get it. Like, I haven't been able to see... like. Obviously, I live with my girlfriend now, but in the first lockdown, I didn't. So there was 13 weeks I didn't get to see Ashley at all, and, and that frustrated the life out of me. I didn't get to see footballers hugging and stuff. Would that have annoyed me? Yeah, maybe a bit. Um, but I think the nation needs something. Um, and, and I think football's probably it. It's the nation's game. Um, so if there's one thing that we can all have to try and get us through, I think maybe people that hate football and would rather have theatre or cinema or something. And I get that viewpoint as well. But I think if you asked the entire nation what you want passion is, you're probably going to get a decent percentage that are going to say football. So I think we need something. So if we're going to play, stopping players from hugging isn't going to stop them from holding on to each other at corners or tackling each other. It's like when it first came back, wasn't it? We discussed, should players turn their face away when they're tackling? fucking absolutely ludicrous idea like what the fuck was that about and I feel like it's at the same level by saying well they shouldn't hug because it feels like if you're saying oh they shouldn't hug because it's peeing people off then just cancel the whole thing because it's the same principle across the board when they're defending corners like if it's annoying you to that extent and you've, it's fully within your, your right to be annoyed by that you've also got to understand that they're, they're the same on corners man marking not just zonal marking do you know what I mean so it's like they tackle each other they touch throughout the game um, so therefore if that's annoying you you've 
kind of got to get in the horse of, well, let's cancel football as well, which is completely your prerogative to have. And, and it wouldn't necessarily be a bad opinion. Mine's very selfish in the fact that I need something. Um, and I'll, I'll admit that my opinion is selfish. I want football to go ahead because I need summit. And I've got nout like many of us. Um, but, but Jack, do you think, um, should we cancel everything? Just cancel a whole lot. Just put in the bin. Cancel the world. Yeah, just we'll just go to sleep for two years and then wake up and hopefully everything sorted. No one goes out to leave the house at all. No, I think I agree with you. It's impossible. And when I say impossible, I mean impossible to have a football game, competitive football game, whereby you socially distance. It's just impossible. You can't do tag. it. You're be... It's basically tag. It's not even a bad run. And <laughs> <laughs> other players can keep two metres distance. <laughs> You just can't do it. So either you, like you say, you just deal with it and you know accept that they're going to be close at some points, or cancel the um, cancel the whole game and say right, no, no football player at all. But you can't be kind of yeah, I'm okay with it to go ahead. But the part that really, really offends me is when they're happy and celebrating the goal because they get too close. It's just like no, I don't really see the logic at all. Some players are going to go to the Neil Lennon Celtic school of uh, doubling down, just touching each other as much as they possibly can, just to be like no. Nah, Doing what I want. Down the shorts. Well, if you if you're that lad from Preston, potentially Preston have got a lot of love in this uh, a lot of love yeah. in this podcast. Um, <laughs> did anyone ever know what happened to that guy? When I remember that happening, it was really bad. I remember being like, "Wow, that's awful." But nothing. Did anything happen? Did you get a ban or anything for that? No. Do you, do you remember that uh, Newcastle fan though? Totally that. Uh, totally on a side issue that exposed himself in celebration to the goal a couple of years ago. St. Maximan against Oxford. Basically just whipped his schlong out. That was only last goal. year. That was that was less than a year ago. Was it? Can you believe that? He said it was a couple of years ago and it feels like it. Yeah. That was a couple of years ago. He windmilled it, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, horrible. Yeah, well, it's, it's not my right. style of celebration, to be honest. <laughs> well, yes. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll move on to the best part of the of the pod, the the quick fire moments of the week. Scott, what was your moment of the week? Uh, moment of the week, as I said, uh, wasn't a, a football moment. It was a, a rugby moment. Glasgow Warriors were playing Edinburgh, so that's a kind of derby up here with the two main professional teams. And uh, <clears throat> Scotland Stadium's got a train station. It's not a train station. It's a, just a railway line which goes right behind it towards the station. And uh, game was in about. Three, four minutes to half time. Train went by and honked its horn. Edinburgh player had the ball. <clears throat> he started running towards his own try line. And if you watch the video, it's brilliant. You watch the video and you can hear his team going, What are you doing? What are you doing? And he just looks and he kicks the ball out and he touch. So it's still in play. Warriors get the line out, take the line out. Warriors win a penalty from the line out, score the penalty, get the three points. Uh, and then in the end, they won the game by one point. And everybody's like, what, what was that about? He thought the train was the referee's whistle for half time, so he kicked the ball out to say that you know the 40 minutes was over. But the highlight was like straight after the game, and I only seen this earlier on, where they went straight onto Twitter. Uh, Nick Groom, the player's name is, he went straight onto Twitter and tweeted ScotRail, how do I get in contact with your complaints department? <laughs> and I was just like, mate, how do you get a train horn? I mean, you should check the video out. You'll get it on. Uh, if you look in the Pro 14 Twitter page, you'll find it. I mean, it's I've never heard the referee's whistle like this in my puff. It was quite blatantly a train passing. So I, I found that. On the subject of trains, one of my favourite stories is about trains. Um, I won't say which company it was 
because that wouldn't be fair or the person that it was. But I once had a friend. When I say friend, we worked in a call centre together. He was a nice enough lad. Um, once I answered the phone to Martin O'Neill, that's a random fact for you. And as a Celtic fan, he was quite happy. But he also used to drive trains. And he was doing a late night train from somewhere in the country to another part of the country. Because um, I want to give it away here, because that would be bad. And um, basically, he seen what looked like two young lads that were a little bit drunk. And he thought, it'd be funny if I just pretend the, the train's going to crash. So he's just going to go over the Tanzania and be like, we're going to crash, we're going to crash. Like, ah! <laughs> so it's be dead funny because the lads are so drunk they're not even going to know about it so he did it and was like ah what a crash and he said he noticed at that point on the train there was like a family with kids like coming home from like a day at the beach or something <laughs> who uh, made a complaint towards the said train company and he, he got sacked and ended up in a call center it's kind of like that conversation like oh you know, when you're in the training group at the call centre and you're like, oh, why, why are you working for um, Sky TV or, or Three Mobile or EE, whatever it may be at the call centre? Oh, I just love phones and stuff like that. Oh, brilliant. He was just like, I got sacked for being a train driver because I pretended there was a crash and now I'm on a horrendous wage in comparison because my prank went really, really, really bad. He did get sacked. He got sacked like the next day, went in for an early morning shift, got sacked the next day. Um, he tried to use the defense that um, he was put on a shift late at night and then a shift early in the morning. So he was a little bit tired and he wasn't feeling right. And they were just like, this is not helping me. <laughs> it's just not, just not helping at all. This is just solidifying the fact that you need to get off the trains straight away. Um, apart from trains, what was your moment of the week, Jack? <laughs> Nothing to do with trains, but um, I saw um, a great news story, kind of story to warm your heart, so to speak, and give you a nice fuzzy feeling inside. So um, basically, there was a man in Hong Kong, um, but um, no, um, he was a man in Hong Kong, and basically, he was he was a rock climbing champion in Asia. He's one of the best rock climbers in the world, and unfortunately, had a really bad road traffic collision accident, and um, basically became confined to a wheelchair, paralysed pretty much his whole body um, and um, he actually what he did to raise money for spinal cord patients he climbed a skyscraper basically um, so these um, skyscraper was like basically 250 meters up in the air um, and quite quite unbelievable really the way that he did it but hoisted himself up and uh, he said yeah it made us feel like I was climbing again which I thought was a great story someone that's obviously had a bit of adversity in their life and just kept going and climbing it. If you're wondering how we did it logistically, it was quite a, quite a well-worked um, operation, shall we say, the way it was kind of hoisted up on his wheelchair. But yeah, take a look at it. It was a nice story, I thought. Of. So did he have to do it like himself, like just climb up? Or did he have like help? Like I, I'm just trying to visualise this. He was by himself, but like I think there was extra like ropage that rope, like kind of acted as a pole. So all he had to do was kind of like, move yourself it was hard can't to describe it it's hard to describe without looking at it but yeah um, class managed it either <laughs> quality good story my moment of the week is pale in comparison literally pale in comparison um it's that team in turkey Savaspor played in a full white kit when it was absolutely peeing it down with snow like literally there's a photo of them the other teams wearing like a dundee united orange i think 
And you can see them, no bother. They're like that orange ball on that white pitch in December, January. Sticks out like a sore thumb. And Siversport have just gone, nah, fuck it. We're going to wear white. The entirety of white. You can't see them on the photo. You literally cannot see them on the photo. It's a total joke. There's no point. Like, why would you do that? Isn't that like a have a word with the moment in the sense of a, like someone should have done with Celtics. Sorry to keep bringing it back to Celtics. Abhorrent behavior. But... Actually, I'm, I, not, uh, sorry. I'm not sorry. I had visions of Gary Lineker when you were saying have a word with him. Oh, have a word. You know, with guys at the World Cup, he's like, have a word. <laughs> with, with, it, this, I, I, I kind of go too in-depth with have a word because that's already done by from the terraces. They have a have have a word of the week, which is a genius idea. And I think it's based on the, the Lineker eye moment. Mm. Um, there was a debate about this. Wayne Rooney, talking of English players, Wayne Rooney retired this week. Um, and I think it was someone, probably Lad Bible or Summit, um, said, oh, Wayne Rooney, is he, is he the greatest English player ever? Not for me. Um, but Jack, do you think there's a point in that? Um, if you go on by goals, he's the highest record goal scorer, isn't he? I mean... Uh, that's uh, what I, I mean. It's kind of a weird one, isn't it? Because I totally wrote it off, but then I was like... Mm. I suppose. Would you go Bobby Charlton, World Cup winner? Gaza. Player in the world. I don't, has Rooney ever been the best in the world in any area? I don't think he has really, has he? One of, no. but not the, whereas I think Bobby Charlton was widely regarded as the best player in the world for a few years um, at Man United in England and probably the 60s. So I'd say you've got at least him ahead of him. Gaza for me, and I know he's a, his personal life has got a lot that. Well, there's a lot of stuff you can discuss. That's a different podcast entirely. But as a as a player himself, um, he's the only English player sort of mentioned in the same breath as your Maradonas and your Messi's and your Pele's, like um, for sheer unadulterated talent. Um, I mean, he was a mag. That's not the greatest thing in the world. It's a shame he was a mag by birth as well. But um, he was kind of someone that I suppose, in truth, away from the. Away from my, my jokey comment there, he, he was kind of heralded, wasn't he, as like the natural talent that was like the golden boy that obviously for numerous reasons didn't make it. Um, but I, I, I said Gaza. I think Gaza was. What, what do you think, Scott, is a, a, Scot, a, a Scottish man? There's, there's not really any of that good, to be honest. There's none, that's, none, that's, none that stick it for me. I mean, you know, maybe like a, a Chris Ewellumo who, you know, changed allegiance and uh, came up to, to Scotland. Or a Scotland No, nah, I think uh, probably grown up, when I was grown up, it was like, say, Lineker, Bardsley, aye, Bill Bardsley, legend. Uh, I kind of agree with that. I on like a Bardo. TV show as well. What about what? that? What, you what about that Ewellumo miss, though? Aye, that's it. I mean, see that for me, iconic. That's like that's the kind of that's the kind of shit I love. Right? I mean, we obviously been been going to watch Scotland like my entire life, more or less. I've been in the the supporters club for twenty years, and you know where have I been? I've seen Scotland beat France. Uh, I've seen us beat France twice. Faddy, Gary Caldwell. I've seen us run Spain, Germany, playing all the big teams. And then like, what's your favourite moment? It's just got to be Chris Ewellumo's face when he missed it <laughs> underneath the bar or that, you know. That's what I live for. That's why, like, to me, that's what football's all about. I don't care. See, for the, the pure patter of that is definitely was what it's all Scottish? about. Was he Scottish? Chris Ewellumo? Like, was he, like, born Scottish? Probably Scottish. 
I used to feel like he was born in uh, like Coatbridge, which is like five minutes away. Uh, from no where I chance live. he's from Coatbridge, is he? Aye, aye. Oh, well, you obviously don't think I've heard him speak. He's, he's, he sounds like me. <laughs> don't think I've heard him speak. Where, where did he start? Oh, he started at St Mirren. Aye, if you hear him, it just sounds like me. He's born in North Lanarkshire. Mum was Scottish. I'm sure he scored man. against us for Colchester when we were Roy Keane's man. You might be wrong with that one. I think, I think from here on in, rather than having like moments of the week and stuff like that, we should just pick a player and just have a look at his career. Just like pick a random player and be like, what did he do? Like Ego Austinstead. Someone, some Southampton fan the other day called him Ego Austin Bad, which I thought was <laughs> really quite clever because. I like the pun. Um, my next question, player of the week, uh, I'll come back to you, Jack, and then go to Scott. It uh, has to be Charlie White, the boy. Got to be Charlie boy, White. Boy, um, biased, obviously, we're both Sunderland fans. Mm. Um, Graham, but yeah, Patrick. Um, and I think, I'm prepared to be told I'm wrong about this on Twitter, but I think he's the last player from Sunderland to get a hat-trick away from home since Jermaine before against Swansea. I think Swansea. I might be wrong. I might be wrong with that. Um, Swansea away would have been a terrible away day if VAR existed because we scored three offside goals. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, bang three goals, three well-taken goals and um, helped us win, put a smile on my face. So yeah, he gets my player of the week. How many games would have been ruined if VAR was included in it? Because the one that comes to my mind is G Dong one. Mm-hmm. That would have been disallowed. That would have been absolutely crap. And Papa Cece's goal in the 3-0, that would have stood, wouldn't it? Because he was onside, so that would have made it 1-1. Oh, that was funny as well, because that would have ruined the whole Pardew moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, no! <laughs> Pardew, where is Pardew? Uh, pass. He was, was in Holland, wasn't he? Hog, wasn't he? In Holland? He was in Den Haag for a bit, yeah. yeah. And he left after like four or five weeks or something. See if we can get him on the pod. I'd like Alan Pardew on the pod, me. I think it'd be funny. I reckon if you got Pardew on the pod, you'd be like, he's a canny lad. He's actually Aries. Like, he's a bit annoying. He's a bit smug, but he, he can dance on that a bit. Remember that dance? <laughs> no, I wasn't having that. I wasn't was having that one bit. I thought no. it was quite a sexy dance. But because uh, it was Pardew, I had to be like, the most no. important. The most interesting thing, though, Graham, is uh, an anagram of his name is Walk Anal. He's what? An anagram of his name is Warped Anal. Hey, <laughs> that one. That's the new feature, Anagram of the Week. That's it. Title of the pod, Warped Anal. Um, <laughs> so, player of the week for you, Scott? Uh, this one's a shocker for me. Uh, obviously, talking to you guys from uh, the Mullow Rangers game was on, and... Uh, I've said at the start here, or Morelos or Defoe, whoever Rangers picked up against Bevis Mugabe is going to result in about a 4 or 5 now. And uh, the big man didn't lose a header the entire game. Don't think he missed a tackle, got man of the match and was post-match interview as well. So uh, he's made a complete muggy me there as I'm introducing you guys to the, the finer sites of Motherwell and the, the, the decent players and stuff like that. So... Uh, Probably telling the listeners that I know nothing about football after telling you that this guy was rotten and he gets uh, gets man of the match and keeps Morelos in his back pocket for 70 minutes or however long he was on for. I'm quite the, I'm quite the fan of Beavis. The reason I'm a fan of Beavis is because of that girl on Twitter that always messages him when she gets mad with it. She just messages him like, oh, come for a drink. 
I mean, to be fair, well, I'm not dobbing her in here. She, I don't think she's done it since COVID's happened. Uh, I don't think. Well, I think she might have done, but like maybe said afterwards. I think she's a Tony Watt enthusiast now. Is she? Beavis, Beavis wasn't getting a game for a wee while. I'm friend gonna, of the friend of the um, pod, Tony Watt. Is that is um, friend of that the is pod? Friend, friend of the pod, Tony Watt. I'm I'm going to tell her she got an honourable mention and tell her that she's to listen. Yeah, she should. That's she's a nice girl. I really like. Uh, what you called Rachel? Uh, Rachel, I. Yeah, I like Rachel. I like uh, she's her commitment to getting the Beavis to go for a pint is. I think I genuinely think it's funny. Like no matter how many times she posts it, I'm still like that's hilarious. And I tell Ashley about it, and I'm like, ah, oh, that last is trying to get Beavis to go for a pint again. I'll let you know if he replies. I don't know how I'd know. I'm guessing she'd, I'm guessing she'd announce it. But I think she is a Tony Watt enthusiast, friend of the pod. Tony Watt. What what's happening with friend of the pod is Declan Gallagher? I love Big Deck me. What a uh, guy. I don't I don't really know. Um Is he staying? Is he going? He's, he's uh, two games away for triggering a year's extension with us. Um but also the, the chat of the day was that Aberdeen and Dundee United have uh, have offered them superior wages to what we've offered. But last week there was a couple of English teams interested in him, but it's a difficult one because Obviously, if he goes and doesn't establish himself somewhere, then he potentially misses out in a place at the Euros. Mm-hmm. But likewise, if he stays with us and we continue to be absolute bottom, then we get relegated. You're not going to play a centre back who's the centre back and potentially the right back in Stephen O'Donnell. You're not going to put them in at the Euros anyway. So he's in a sort of catch 22. But um, I don't think he'll stay beyond the summer. If he doesn't go in January, I think he'll go in the summer. and can he grudge him it? He's, he's I been think a great been, player for us. I've seen him getting a bit of stick online. Obviously, I don't watch Motherwell weekly, but the games when I have watched Motherwell, he's still like rock solid. Like, yeah. is he getting harsh treatment? It's, well, in my opinion, you know, no doubt any Motherwell fans that will listen will, will disagree, but a lot of folk have been saying the captaincy's too much for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's that. And you watch him when he played against Scotland and he was solid, but then he comes back to Motherwell and, you know, last year when he had the legend as Peter Hartley in beside them, the two of them, they just friend had... Friend of the pod, Peter Hartley, get it right. Friend of the pod, good Sunderland man as well. Friend of um, the pod. You know, legend, four-minute Sunderland player, you know, get him in the Hall of Fame if there is one, him and Rambo. Double, double uh, the time Simon Ramson had on the pitch. Get, get them in there. Yeah, uh, he's buzzed at me. Uh, <laughs> get this out. With his message. I bet you wouldn't be complaining if he was doing the windmill, he's tattooing his boss, would you? I fucking love Simon Ramson. What a guy. His commitment to just hating the mags is just superb. It'd be class to go for a pint with him, someone like him. I know it's like such a cliche, but he'd be unbelievable to go for a pint with him. He'd be unreal. Like, he was meant to come on the pod ages ago, and I said, oh, wait, let's COVID things over in three weeks, and we'll get you in the studio. I'm still, still fucking waiting. No, but... so, so he can't be categorised as friend of the pod yet, then, Graham? Not Potential yet. Potential friend of the pod. Not Potential. yet, but... I, I would say he could, because... I messaged him during the whole, I put a post on Instagram when I was watching the whole game to say that I was watching and he messaged me and I told him that I was on the pod and he was like, oh, I need to give that a listen. So I'm not, I'm not taking credit for, for getting the celebrity listeners in, but, you know. Friend uh, and listener of the pod. Have you seen him? He's on He's on the, the fitness and that at five in the morning, that man, the mad bastard. I'm like, oh, he's, I mean, he's a beautiful bloke. Sorry, Simon. I know that might be awkward next time I see you, but like, let's be honest. I'd say what you see, say what you see. Um, but I was saying he's at the beach and that at like five in the morning. I'm like, you've got two kids. How are you getting time in the day to get up at five in the morning and not be like spewing, basically? 
Because, I, I mean, I like me runs, but I cannot be doing what he does at five in the morning. Nah. I just cannot. Nah. Or five in the evening for me, to be honest with you. No. <laughs> any, like, any time of the day. Any point during the day, I could not do what he's doing. So if you do listen, Simon, fair play to you, mate. You're, you're a friend of the pod because of your fitness routine. He's a hero. He's a gent. He's a gent a man as well. He's an absolute legend. Definitely seen him spark a mag out once as well. <laughs> if anyone's listening to this, I could get him in trouble. That didn't happen. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> I can't even remember where we were. Uh, villain of the week. Jack, you only ever choose one person, so you might as well just... I think it's going to be quite a cliche for me, but I'm just going to find a reason to pick Matt Hancock. Matt Hancock is villain of the week. Um, so, yeah, this week is his ludicrous performance on um, was it Good Morning Britain, it's now. No, Good Morning no, Britain, yeah. Um, I mean, when you get an interview by Piers Morgan and Piers Morgan isn't the biggest balance in the interview, you know you're in trouble really, aren't you? Um, yeah, just failing to condemn his party for the universal credit cuts and the, the, the food the kids cuts. I mean, um, you know, wouldn't admit that it was wrong and the U-turn was done and, yeah, it comes to something when you you kind of against kids and food basically um it shows what he is as a person and my opinions of the conservative party it got into the limmy territory though didn't it it's just a yes or no yes (laughs) or no you can't even say yes or no yes or no it's like i I was going to say i'd have a bit more respect for him if he did what limmy does in that sketch but i wouldn't that's a lie um don't think there's anything you could do bill another week scott uh i don't know if you guys seen this but this was a cracker you know Tiago Silva that plays for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. His wife having a go at Andy Robertson on uh, Instagram or some other social media site because Andy Robertson posted a picture. Uh, it was a video. Uh, this was just this morning. He posted a video of him like sending Tiago Silva to the chippy for his tea. And uh, <laughs> he was like, wink, wink. And she commented on it saying, um, Ben Chilwell is a better player than you. And haha, he's got beat off Southampton. With a smiley face, <laughs> just like, I mean, fair enough. What would you do that for? I, I know some people don't really like Robbo, but he sound. Well, uh, you don't, you don't, you don't say that to the best left back in the world. What are you on him? Chilwell is not as good as Andy Robertson. <laughs> that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Um, saying that, I've got Chilwell in my dream team. So, hmm. dream team, fantasy team, dream team. Now there's a TV show. Um, Goal of the week, Jack. Um, I'm going to choose Ndombele for Tottenham yesterday. Ndombele, mm, um, unusual one, hard to describe. But basically, ball comes in on the into the box on the left hand side of the box. He's got a ball moving away from goal. He's got a defender up his back, and he like flicks it with the outside of his right boot, loops it over the keeper diagonally off the post and in. It's hard to describe, but if you think a minute, if you haven't watched anyone. Get a look on it because it was a superb finish and it was one of those goals. I love goals like that whereby it's a bit of genius. Do you know what I mean? Like anyone, can, with all due respect, anyone smacking in the top corner from 30 yards. And I enjoy those goals, but I like the goals whereby you look and you think, yeah, he's done something creative there. Like a Dennis Bergkamp against Newcastle or a Gianfranco Zola, that one he got from the corner. Um, little things like that where, you know, it's flicking it in or a little something trickery. I enjoyed that. I, I thought it was a great goal. I really, really miss Dennis Bergkamp. <laughs> I think my yeah. favourite player, that isn't a Sunderland player of all time. Like, I'd uh-huh. choose any Sunderland player over him. Like, Kevin Kyle, I would choose him over Dennis Bergkamp. 
because obviously allegiances. But Dennis Bergkamp away from Sunderland, just love him. Um, my goal of the week. I'm going to steal Ian's. I, I think I give it a. Ah, oh, you know, no, I'm not. I'm not going to steal Ian's. I'm going to stick with my original. Billy Sharp against the Mags, <laughs> because it was against the Mags. Um, need I say more? I could choose Saka maybe because I got his fantasy points, but I'm going to go Billy Sharp because Billy Sharp's great. Got a great name. He's just great. I just really, I just really like Billy Sharp. I think he would be one of those blokes where you could go for a few pints with him, and you'd just be like, oh, "Sound him, sound Billy lad." Um, and he scored against the Mags. And Sheffield United are probably going to win one game this season, or maybe two. He might beat Newcastle away from home, um, and that makes me laugh a lot. Which Division Three and all that stuff, I don't care. I, I genuinely don't care. You got beat at Sheffield United, and that's funny. Um, Scott, what's your what's your call of the week? Uh, nothing really special, but uh, Macaulay Langstaff for Gateshead uh, last minute. It's just one of the ones that, <clears throat> like we were talking about earlier, when you're missing the football and stuff. I can just imagine being in the clothesline at the international stadium in the last minute. You know, they've been on the end of some last minute goals against over the last few weeks. Still pushing towards the, the playoff positions. Might actually be up in there now. I've not checked the table since the weekend. But uh, I, last minute, they've been getting some stick over the last uh, few weeks. So last minute goal, um, just for the, the scenes that I think there would have been if they had, you know, you can't beat a last minute goal to win a game. So not a special goal. Doesn't particularly mean anything in the grand scheme of it. But just the things you love to see. Last minute goals, they're always going to be a good thing. Um, and we normally have Scottish football moment of the week, but I think that's just Celtic, isn't it? Aye. We just, agree, just agree, disagree that it was Celtic. Aye. Just Celtic's existence this week. Aye. It is a shame, really, isn't There's it? Normally something hilarious, but nothing uh, really. Yeah, it's bordering on depressing that, but that, that is Scottish football moment of the week is universally Celtic doing whatever Celtic do these days. But um, lads, thanks for joining me again for another hour. I think um, we, we almost got the hilarity of last night in. Probably missed the mark a little bit, but that's just tough, isn't it? That's just, the, the listeners are going to have to imagine what was happening on it. I did I did pump at some point during this podcast, which might, <laughs> which might come across on the, uh, might come across on the podcast, which if it does, it's pretty funny. If you can find Bonus out point. when it is, yeah. find out when it is in the podcast, I will send you a Cadbury's dairy milk. It's in the 40-minute mark. Narrow it down a bit, there's your clue. Um, <laughs> but thanks for coming on, lads. Cheers. Cheers, lads. Enjoyed it. Cheers. Take care. Boom, shakalak, what the people them want. Woman, them a flex, and the man, them a chant. Got the six days started to have a comeback. Draw for your bell, butter black, eat and frack. Boom, shakalak, good boy. Tell them no, sir. <laughs>